0: I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast.
2: What is up, my beautiful people? This is Into the Net FC, the soccer talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. I am the host, the Bear of Texas, and once again, let's welcome back the coolest nurse in the history of nursing in beautiful and sunny Southern California, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Adams. What's up,
1: Steve? hey alex hey everybody uh busy monday at work uh watched uh, a bit of uh everton and burnley uh during my lunch break today at work so um everton put on quite the show in the second half uh it was kind of a pedestrian first half but uh everton looked really really good uh winning three to one over burnley um burnley had gone up first and uh then Everton just came roaring back. Uh, if you get a chance to see Townsend's goal, Townsend's goal is just absolutely a thing of beauty. It's a rocket from 25 yards out. He also had an assist in the game, too. But uh, good performance from Raphael Benitez's men in blue.
2: You know, and speaking of, of putting a show... Manchester United really put on a hell of a show, but not just Manchester Manchester United as a team, but a certain individual named Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, I wrote an article on this. I don't know if you saw it, but his return game back just could not have been any more brilliant.
1: I'll tell you what, what a a homecoming. I mean, 12 years since the last time uh, he scored in the EPL. I don't know if that's ever happened where there's been a 12-year gap between somebody being in the EPL, then being away from the EPL, and then coming back and scoring. I don't know if that's ever happened before. And Ronaldo scores a brace against Newcastle.
2: Just absolutely incredible. And I wrote my article that for the longest time, Manchester United has lacked leadership and motivation. And in that game, the players played as a team. They played as a team. They trusted each other. And they had a leader in Ronaldo. So I think now, all of a sudden, with Ronaldo coming back, the team has finally gained motivation. They have a, they have good leadership, and I just hope it can, it can keep going. But in this game, you know, Bruno Fernandez scored an absolute golazo, and Paul Pogba providing two assists. I mean, you see, I'm not exaggerating. When I say there was teamwork, like unique teamwork.
1: Jesse Lingard gets a goal. Yeah, the Fernandez goal was just absolutely a howitzer. Uh, it was just an absolute thing of beauty, and. Um, you know, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has already been saying that, you know, look, we're not going to be playing Ronaldo every game. And the thing is, with, Man U was already pretty loaded before they they got the Portuguese captain back. But, uh, but after they've gotten Ronaldo back, you know, Man U doesn't need Ronaldo for these games against, uh, you know, Newcastle or Norwich or... Uh, Burnley, they need him for these games with against Chelsea, against Liverpool, mm-hmm. uh, against Man City. You know that's where they really, really need him. They need that X factor, and you know the guy, you know Fountain of Youth. He still has such unbelievable pace, and I mean he's playing against players now that you know biologically he could be the parent of you know some of these you know 18 and 19 year old kids that are out competing against them
2: i mean yeah see that's what i was saying next month uh they play liverpool and tottenham i mean yeah, he's definitely going to be needed and i said this in a pocket i just decided to do a podcast episode you know talking about his return but i said yeah exactly ronaldo's going to need needed for the big games like you know and i'm not surprised Ole gunnar solskjaer said well i mean it's, it's pretty obvious they weren't going to use ronaldo in every game and you know Marcus Rashford is actually currently on his, on his way back. I'm not sure exactly when he'll come back, but, you know, he's been training, and, you know, so far the progress has been, progress being made is positive. So, I mean, now yeah, you, you, you couldn't say it more clear. I mean, Ronaldo's going to be needed for those big games. Like, you know, why bother with him, you know, for these, you know, game, games against these small clubs? But, but in this case against Newcastle, I mean, it was a homecoming. I mean, the, the, everybody knew that you, you just have to put Ronaldo in that game. They did, and, man,
1: what a show. He found his smile again yeah ex- know, yeah there you go exactly you know just really you know really clearly had not been happy at juventus um yes, for whatever reason it just did not seem to be a really great fit and turn for him and uh he looked just genuinely happy i mean he was just playing with pure unabandoned joy at old trafford this past weekend i mean
2: that energy i mean i I said this on you know I've said this you know I don't care for Ronaldo. Ronaldo doesn't care if he's 36 I mean he'll just say that's just age is just a number you, I mean you can just tell there's still like there's still some very good years left in him I mean I kind of exaggerated what I said we probably haven't even seen the best of it but that's that's probably just that's probably just me being super excited but hey I'm I guess we could still say Ronaldo has plenty of gas left in the tank
1: No doubt about it
2: all right well here's a surprising game Crystal Palace 3 nothing over Tottenham
1: yeah, it it should be said though that you know the game was zero zero and then uh, Tanganga got red carded for Spurs and then all of a sudden the floodgates opened and Crystal Palace took advantage of it. Uh, Zaha with a penalty, uh, Edouard scores a brace, uh, his first goal. He's comes onto the pitch as a substitute and 28 seconds after coming onto the pitch, he scores his first goal and coming in. But uh, very important match for Crystal Palace to win and, um, you know, sort of uh, slows Spurs down. I mean, Spurs had been doing really well, and they were keeping clean sheets. But uh, but Crystal Palace definitely made Tottenham pay for that red card. They took advantage of that extra space.
2: Humming, Ming's son was actually not in the lineup. Uh, as far as I... Says, yeah, according to a few sources... Uh... He's actually hurt. I actually had not heard that he had gotten hurt.
1: But, um, but yeah, good performance by Crystal Palace. Brighton. You know, somebody break Brighton up, for crying out loud. They get a late 90th-minute winner from Rossard to get a win at Brentford, And, uh, you know, Brighton finds themselves up in the rare air towards the upper part of the standings in the EPL.
2: You know these games right there. I mean, we've, we've talked about it. you know it's it's a hard fought zero zero deadlock, and then all then at the very last second, the deadlock is broken, and you know and Brighton just really like came with, came away with it. And you know and it's incredible. And Brighton is actually currently number six in the yeah. standings.
1: Yeah, and I mean this was a team that you know was kind of fighting a little bit with the relegation concerns you know the last season. Exactly. Um. The other big talking point, of course, over the weekend was Leeds hosting Liverpool and Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And, you know, the 3-0 the win by Liverpool, and they played great. Uh, they, they probably actually could have scored five or six goals against Leeds. They looked that good. Salah, Fabinho, Mane. Mane uh, wasted several good chances, but they get the important 3-zip win on the road in Yorkshire. So, I mean, they're right up there, tied on points at the top. But the biggest talking point in this game was the horrific ankle dislocation injury of uh, 18-year-old Harvey Elliott, who had been playing so well in midfield for Liverpool. He was playing just fantastic on the right side of the midfield. You know, it really was kind of a buzzkill in a game where Mohamed Salah got his 100th Premier League goal. Which is just a tremendous achievement for the Egyptian, but uh, but at the 60th minute mark, uh, bad challenge by the the Belgian uh, Pascal Stoyk, uh, straight red, uh, horrific injury. If you're of the faint of heart, don't try looking it up on YouTube. Uh, it's just gruesome. It's it's like Joe Joe Theismann, Zach Prescott, bad as far as type of thing and actually play was still going around after the injury and Mo Salah saw immediately what was going on and he was emphatically waving the, the medical staff to get onto the field and they actually came onto this the, to the field wall the ball was still in play um so the physios were working on him again you know just just a, a really really bad injury um I think with the dislocated ankle, a lot is going to depend too, as far as what further MRIs are going to going to find, as far as you know, tendon tears. Is there any any fractures in that distal part of the tibia? You know, there's a lot that they're that they really don't know yet. And I mean, even even with MRIs, you know, which could show a lot, you know, um, he's clearly going to need surgery to repair it. I mean, they basically have it kind of semi-stabilized right now at the hospital at Leeds, but he's definitely going to need surgery. And uh, I think I think it almost goes without saying that, uh, you know, his, his season's pretty well done. So devastating injury for Liverpool. Uh, Jurgen Klopp was visibly very shaken, and he was very emotional, in the inter- interviews right after the game. And, um, you know, it's I, I can't think of the last time I saw a manager who looked so upset after a game where his team won three to zip. But this was really a horrific injury. It was that bad. And then, um, you know, the what's, what's been kind of interesting with social media is that there's just been this real outpouring of get-well wishes. I mean, even from, like, rival players like Raheem Sterling of Man City. And then the way the story goes is when they brought um, Elliot into the hospital in Leeds that there was a young kid who had just broken his arm playing soccer and uh, Elliot gave, gave him his Liverpool shirt. So, I mean, you know, what a, what a gesture. I mean, this young man has this horrific injury. And he's willing to reach out and literally give the shirt off his back to a kid who was also in in the emergency room there in Leeds. So, you know, a very, very classy thing. Devastating injury for Liverpool, though. Um, I don't know if it's quite at the same level of what happened to Virgil van Dyke last season because he was such an important guy in – the central defense for for liverpool but harvey elliott was playing really good ball this year and i mean he was getting significant minutes and um you know he, he was really really a fun player to watch a lot of energy and uh, you know i just hope that this young man can can recover from this horrific injury and you know he can go out and play again for liverpool
2: you know, I have no doubt that he's going to make he's going to get through all of this. You know, he's got so much hype, so much potential. I mean, I've watched, I mean, he's got that speed and you know, he's got the courage and you know, I I saw the video that you sent me. As a matter of fact, I subscribed to uh, to that guy because you know, it really seems like he really does a thorough explanation to these to these injuries and I mean, I'm telling you the way most solid I mean, it's hard to it, it's hard to see you know, cuz I saw the highlights. it's hard to get a close look at the reaction of his face but you you could just tell that in his head he was like oh holy like he was scared because he saw that you saw that foot i mean it's a good thing they didn't they didn't do a a a super close shot but that foot was oh it's it's horrible i mean i I saw Dak prescott's foot and that i mean i still ask myself you know if it was if that happened to me i don't know if i'm if i'm screaming in pain or screaming in horror at the side of my own foot looking like that but
1: Know. Well, merc- mercifully, mercifully, they didn't keep showing and re-showing it on uh, on NBC. So thank goodness, you know, it wasn't like you know the infamous incident years ago where Lawrence Taylor broke Joe Theismann of Washington uh, broke his leg, and it was just a horrifically graphic injury. But the good people at Monday Night Football kept showing it from multiple different angles, and um, you know, that's just. It's in really poor taste, and, um, you know, just suffice to say, it, it was it was a really, really bad injury, and... Um,
2: it, it, it was, and, I mean, it, even Harvey himself, uh, you know, went on and said that, he did, he said that it was not, that he knows that it wasn't dirty, and that it was just a freak accident. It's hard, to, I, I don't, I don't think it was a dirty, I, I mean... It was a bad hit, but I really doubt that the Leeds defender had any intentions of intentionally hurting the guy. It, it's just something, I mean, they were both playing, they were going after the ball, and it, it just happened. That's what I think, but it just happened. And you can't, of course, you can't blame Jurgen Klopp for being furious. I mean, he was mad that the injury happened, and, you know, because, you know, Liverpool has all that momentum. And, and not only that, but, you know, it's an 18-year-old kid, and, and and this is this is a prospect that they got from, I believe, I believe they got him from Fulham. So they've been develop- developing him since 2019, since when they acquired him, and now here is all you know, full ready to go, and everybody's excited about him. And then just like that, now you got to wait probably at least a year. Or so, but man, I'm telling you, it's just you know th- these kinds of things. I mean, they scare me.
1: Well, to be honest with you, if anybody watched the Everton game today against Burnley, you know there was a earlier in the game where Charleston did a really blatant body check takeout on a on a Burnley player. So then a little bit later in the game, I mean, he got taken out really hard. I mean I I mean I felt that it was red card worthy and um, ref didn't even give him a yellow on that. So you know to be honest with you, I thought there was a lot more malice on that payback challenge to Richarlson than there was yesterday you know was it a red card yeah it was a red card foul but i mean i've seen i've seen way worse you know malicious you know nasty type things was it a red card yeah do i think that he necessarily needs to be suspended for more games i don't think so but you know it's it's the one thing with you know sport and and these type of things it's like well foul happens and he just gets red carded. He just loses playing the last, say, 30 minutes of a game. Elliott's season's done. So, you know, it's not fair. I get that. But, you know, I I really don't think that Pascal Stroik needs any further game suspension after this. I think there might be some Liverpool fans that might be in disagreement with me. But, you know, even as a fan... I don't know. I've I've seen way worse challenges than than what happened on Harvey Elliott yesterday.
2: I mean, I mean, totally. And I can honestly say that sometimes you could just easily tell if a play was dirty or not. But for me, for one of these plays was I'm like, well, it kind of looked like they were going after the ball, and the guy got hit. But but you know, it happened, and 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 I wish Harvey Elliott, you know, a, a speedy recovery because I'm telling you, Harvey Elliott, I feel like is one of those dudes I'm going to be writing about and talking about in the future. I mean the dude's 18 and he's already getting that gift so but anyway mo- moving on uh well it's about time arsenal finally got some three points i mean they-, they could really use it although i mean yeah they beat norwich city but you know what let's-, let's give it to them they got the
1: win a very very much needed win so that calls the dogs off arsenal for a little bit uh norwich the Canaries. I think this just might be another rough season for fans, and he's saying, "the long-suffering Canary fans." But uh, Arsenal with a much-needed win at the at the Emirates. I mean,
2: in our case uh, with Norwood City, I heard that Sargent actually got hurt.
1: Yeah, I had heard of that. I'd heard that too. It was actually kind of a rough week for American players. I think Tyler Adams also got hurt in Germany. So, so yeah. Uh, and then Western, Weston McKinney with Juventus. Juventus having a horrible start out of the blocks this year, but that's that's a, that's a another story. But um, as far as the EPL, uh, Man City goes over to the West Midlands and they get a win at Leicester City. Silva with the goal. Uh, so they're still breathing down everybody's necks. Uh, Southampton, West Ham, they play to a 0-0 draw. Uh, Wolverhampton. Gets a much-needed win. Go to the suburbs of London, and they get a two-zip win at uh, Watford. Um, new signing from Leipzig, uh, Hichan gets a goal in the 83rd minute. Uh, Wolves also benefit from an own goal from uh, Seriata. But uh, very, very much-needed win for the Wolves against Watford.
2: Yeah, and, and Wolverhampton, you know, really need, needed it and. You know, and I'm looking also, you know, Manchester City, you know, escaping from Leicester with a uh, goal, you know, goal, uh, thanks to Bernardo Silva. You know, it really, I mean, there's been some events for uh, the EPL this week, but I mean, in most of these games, there's, there's just not much to say. You know, I'm looking at, you know, Chelsea easily taking care of business against Aston Villa with, you know, of course, Romelu Lukaku scoring scoring twice. And I believe that was Lukaku's first, game, uh, first goal, actually, scored at Sanford Bridge.
1: Yeah, Kovacic with the other goal for Chelsea against Aston Villa who are finding life without Jack Grealish to be a little bit more difficult. But um, but yeah, you know, Chelsea they're still up there too um, with the top end of the table in the EPL as well.
2: Well, you know, we should definitely talk about the standings, you know. You know, of course all these Man U, there's a lot of Man U fans are kind of rejoicing cuz Man U is currently in first, but I kind of say look, I mean, right now yeah, there's the there's the four-way uh, tie with the four clubs having ten points. Those other clubs will be Chelsea, Liverpool, and Everton. You know, it's the goal differential right now that that gives the Red Devils, you know, a solid first place lead. But let's be honest, it's still that early in the season, so you know, it's probably it could be one of those moments. Well, fun while it lasts, but
1: yeah, but you know, four teams on ten points: Man U, Chelsea, Liverpool, Everton. Man City's breathing down their necks. I mean, really, you know, when you look at the standings, there's one point separating the top seven teams, only two points separating the top eight. And then on the other end of the scale, on the early relegation battle, Norwich still sitting at zero points, minus 10 goal differential. Newcastle, 19th. Burnley, after today's loss, they're sitting at 18th. Leeds is only one point ahead of Burnley uh Leeds still has not won a game yet in this young season. Uh, Arsenal just a place above them. So um, kind of like a, a case of the haves versus the have-nots right now in the EPL. So obviously it's going to take a few more games to see, you know, if there's going to be much more in the way of separation.
2: Oh, 100%. So, so uh, very interesting week. But uh, let's go ahead and move on to League 1. As far as Ligue 1 goes, I guess the first thing to talk about is they decided that the game between Nice and Marseille is actually going to be replayed. It's going to be replayed behind closed doors. But but I, the one thing I want to con- I want to confirm, are they actually going to start like the clock from zero or are they actually going to pick up where the clock last left?
1: I'm understanding it's going to be starting from scratch. Okay. Um, they're going to play it on October 27th. They haven't picked where the neutral venue is going to be. Um... But uh, Nice were docked two points, uh, one of which is suspended, which I don't know what that means. And then the, the French professional league ordered the club to play their next home game behind closed doors, pending results in the probe. Uh, Marseille defender Alvaro Gonzalez was banned for two games for his role, the fracas. Payette uh, served his one-match ban, uh, and that was... Uh, no problem for Marseille. They went the, went over to Monaco. Pretty much dominated Monaco. They they won two zip two goals from Dieng. Probably could have won by five or six nothing. They were that they were that much better than Monaco. You know,
2: and I gotta say, Matteo Guendouzi has been doing you know phenomenal for Marseille.
1: Yep. And then oh, the one thing I was also gonna add too that even the Marseille's club physio Pablo Fernandes he has a nine month touchline suspension for what they construed as his role in this whole in this whole fracas as well. So uh wait I'm not sure
2: wait a nine month suspension?
1: In other words, he he can't be on the touchline. He may be able to be in the stadium, he can be in the locker room, but he cannot be in the touchline. You know, and that's kind of the place where you really need a physio. And um At any rate, uh, so that's kind of what's going on there. But um, Paris Saint-Germain, five games played, five wins, plus 11 goal differential. Angers is sitting in second place, incredibly enough, after five games. They're still undefeated. So they're sitting on 11 points. They're four back of PSG. Marseille has a game in hand. They're actually sitting third right now on ten points. So if they can get uh, make up that game and get a win, um, Nice is also they're right behind Marseille in fourth. Nice four games, three wins, a draw, no losses. Now on the other end of the table, it's very interesting because you have some pretty big names in the French game that are you know holding down the cellar dweller places. Bordeaux, dead last. Saint Etienne, you know, team that was synonymous with French soccer once upon a time, 60s, 70s through to the early 80s. Saint Etienne, 19th place. Metz, 18th. Brest, 17th. Monaco's in 16th. And then um, last year's uh, French champions, Lille, they're in 12th place right now. They're only sitting on five points. So, I mean, they're only two points. Ahead of the relegation spots, Leo after five games with just one win. So uh, they're finding life after Galtier uh, very, very difficult indeed right now.
2: It's just so interesting, you know. And Mar- Marseille, uh, you know, they're really uh, proving a point right now. You know, they've yet to lose. You know, you know, jump with three wins. I mean. You know, you know, the way I see it this season. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if Marseille, if Marseille and PSG are literally fighting back and forth. You know, for the title. You know, PSG. As long as they keep winning, then they probably don't have to worry about it. But, but I really believe that Marseille is actually going to finish. Is going to finish uh, in the top two. I think Marseille is going to get a cha- is going to be in the Champions League uh, for the, for the next season. Well, not not this coming season, but but I, but I guess the point is is that Marseille is becoming a good club again.
1: Yeah, they're on their way back to respectability, and, and it's great, and now that the the fans can actually go to the games, and there's a huge traveling group of Marseille fans that made the relatively short trip uh, along the Mediterranean to go to Monaco. Um, huge Marseille fan base showed up for the game, and uh, again, they were simply dominant over Monaco this past weekend. You
2: know, nice is uh, sitting at. You know, right, right under them. I and mean, you said that Nice was uh, they were uh, deducted uh, two points. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's bad. But you know, you know, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, the, when the behavior like that, you know, punishment is handed, and you know, it, 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 the, the, whole, the whole situation is difficult. And you know, and, it, and I'm not surprised it's still being investigated because now they got to investigate the security and everything.
1: Well. Well, what really is pissing off a lot of Marseille fans is they feel like, wait a sec, it was the Nice fans that were throwing shit at our player. You know, Payette was getting absolutely bombarded with missiles. Um, The Nice crowd stormed the field, and, you know, yet, um, you know, I think authorities came down pretty hard on Marseille with all this, too. You know, some people say, well, Payette should have turned the other cheek. Well, you know, you're playing the game, you're competitive, and you go take a corner, and, you know, you're getting hit with stuff being hit from the stands. You know, it's a it's a threat to the players, and um, I, I think more than a few Marseille fans feel like OM is really getting the shit into the stick on this, but... Um, I know one thing; it'll be really interesting once they do the replay. I'm curious where they're going to pick as far as a, a neutral venue. Um, I don't know if they'll pick, you know, Lyon or Saint Etienne, uh, or maybe even Montpellier, as far as being, you know, a little bit farther. But it's going to be behind closed doors anyway. Yeah,
2: it is, and well, I mean, I mean, I have to agree. I mean, Marseille kind of got punished a little bit unfairly, but. I mean, Payet, they, they get a tapping in in Nisa's case, they have they can't complain. I mean, you know, especially those supporters, I mean, yeah, you have you have nothing to complain about, so you know, it, it's it's your fault. But, but now we get to La Liga and you know, you know, Atletico Madrid uh, you know, <laughs> a very nice finish, you know, Antoine Griezmann uh, was actually in the lineup, but uh didn't see a goal from him, but we did see a goal from his uh, compatriot Thomas Lemar which was like so deep in a stoppage time. It's, it was incredible.
1: Yeah. Griezmann didn't exactly have a great game with his return to the red and white Jersey of Atletico Madrid, where, you know, he played you know so well for so many years before the move to Mars or to Barcelona. Uh, Real Madrid looking really good, but I mean, after four games, you've got a three way tie at the top. Real Madrid, Valencia, Atletico are all right there. Um, Barcelona, there, they still have a fourth game yet to play. If they were to get a win in their fourth game, they would be even two on ten points. But um, Real Madrid, um, Benzema put on quite the show against Celto Vigo, getting a getting a hat trick. So um, I, I think I think. I, I think that this year, I think it's definitely going to be the two Madrid clubs and Valencia. I, I'm still not totally convinced, given the shit show that's going on in Barcelona. Um, and the fact that they still keep jettisoning guys who are able to score goals. Um, you know, I don't know. I just don't know if Barcelona is going to be able to really challenge in those top top three spots.
2: You know, right now... I, but Barcelona is, is in such a deep shit that, you know, I don't, I don't even know if, if they're going to make it very far in the Champions League.
1: I, I don't see them making a deep run, let's put it that way. And then Kamavinga, Oh. From, oh. The kid from, oh, boy. The kid, from, the kid from Rennes, you know, first game after leaving Brittany to come to the Spanish capital, gets a goal in his opening game for Madrid. And... Um, you know, what can you say? Um, the, the future is just really, really bright for this young man.
2: I mean, I don't even know where to start. If, if I'm correct, uh, who did he come in? I believe he came in for Eden Hazard.
1: Yeah, he came in for Hazard. I mean,
2: the fact that you here you are, an 18-year-old kid, and, and, and you've just arrived, and a guy like Carlo Ancelotti... One of the greatest, probably the—I mean, it's hard—but from the last twenty years or so, but you know, one of the greatest—and I mean, greatest managers of all time—gives you that chance, and then just a few minutes later, you score a goal. I mean, the fact that you got—I mean, the fact that he had the likes of Benzema and Luka Modric, you know, jogging up to him and asking for a high five. I mean, that—that's that's just got to be such a a life-defining moment, you know, and and, and I, I I can imagine, you know, all the, you know, that Carlo Ancelotti, you know, came up to him and said, good work, you know, keep up the good work, and, you know, I, and I said that this, for Camaviga, this is the opportunity of a lifetime, because this is going to take him to the next level. This is going to impact him positively. And here he and, he, and he scores a goal just a few minutes later. I mean, here you are 18 years old, and here's you're scoring a goal. You got, like, two legends coming up to you, patting on the back, high-fiving you. I mean, that's got to feel good.
1: Well, the other guy who had a really, really solid game as well for Real Madrid was the Brazilian Vinicius Junior. Uh, you know, he's just uh, he's just lethal on the left side. Uh, tremendous pace, great dribbler. Um, I think with how he plays, I just think uh, Bale and Hazard uh, they may have a real hard time finding minutes because Benzema. I mean, that's just that's just without question you know pencil benzema in the frenchman is just you know he, he's one of the best strikers in europe right now and he's feeling it and um he's been playing just lights out for real madrid you know right out of the shoot.
2: well you know in ben in benzema's case you know 33 years old you know age is, is just is just a number
1: but the one thing with Kama though, I mean, at six feet tall and 150 pounds, he's going to need to fill out a little bit. I mean, especially with the the rigors of, of La Liga, which is it, I think, is a quite quite a bit more physical league compared to French league. But um, you know, I mean, he'll he'll grow into that body. I mean, that's that's the thing where most of us who were skinny when we were younger, at at, at a certain point, you figure out a way to gain weight. But, um, but the kid has, you know, just a tremendous amount of promise. And uh, getting a goal in his first game with Real Madrid, it's a great start.
2: I mean, my advice to him is this. Keep scoring goals. Because if you do, Didi Deschamps is going to have no choice but to put you on the squad. And, and, well, and, and it's not only for Real Madrid, but, you know, Camavinga, you know, his future is super bright with the national team.
1: Well, there's no question that with Real Madrid, it could certainly be uh, quite the launching off point, um, and will have benefits for him playing with the French national team.
2: I mean, it's absolutely incredible, you know. And really, you know, and I still have to stick with the fact that if he had gone to Manchester United, it would have been bad because the midfield position is crowded at Old Trafford. So,
1: I think the Real Madrid move was a good move for him, oh, yeah. and you know we'll we'll just have to wait and see you know and just hope the kid can stay healthy
2: uh-huh absolutely well as uh, so we're done with that uh you know the Champions League is actually uh, getting is actually starting tomorrow uh do you have any uh, thoughts on the opening games
1: to be honest with you i've been so wrapped up with the stuff this weekend i really it's it's it's, it's as terrible as is to say i really haven't even looked at the first games for tomorrow, for the Champions League, Mea culpa, I'm guilty, but um, but I think there were just so many interesting talking points, uh, particularly in the EPL, uh, Liga, and La Liga. You know I I think we can certainly later on in the week we can get together and we talk over match day one
2: mm-hmm. of
1: the of the Champions League.
2: And and we will. Um, I mean, the only interesting matches, I mean, Man U's playing a club. Known as, uh, I think they're called the Young Boys, and and I honestly doubt that Ronaldo. I, I really, I really don't think Ronaldo's going to play. I mean, the only two games that are interesting probably, is, uh, you know, in, in, in match, uh, in match day number uh, one is probably Inter Milan and Real Madrid, and uh, and Liverpool and Milan, and uh, and Barcelona and Bayern Munich.
1: Well, those are all interesting games. Clearly, yeah. clearly, so um, so yeah. Um, I'll just have to spend my lunch break tomorrow, you know, trying to to catch some of those games on the CBS Sports Network.
2: Yeah, I mean, I actually, it was actually not until yesterday when I was writing my article that I that I actually learned. Oh wait, oh it starts this week.
1: <laughs> but Yeah, I mean, it's it's like hard to believe. It's like time is catching up with us. I mean, we're we're already getting to to mid September. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I mean, it's it, it's already the middle of September. I mean, oh boy, I mean. If you think this year went fast, it's only the next years are only going to get faster and faster. Yeah. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Into the Net FC is available to you on all stream, streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Steve, thank you so very much for joining me. I can't
1: wait to have you back on soon. We'll talk over and we'll catch up on the Champions League when we talk next.